Amen. Hear the word of God from King David's book of Psalm, chapter 34, verses 1 to 10. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be in my mouth. Praise the Lord. Let the suffering listen and rejoice. Magnify the Lord with me. Together, let us lift his name up high. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to God will shine. Their faces are never ashamed. This suffering person cried out. The Lord listened and saved him from every trouble. On every side, the Lord's messenger protects those who honor God, and he delivers them. Taste and see how good the Lord is. The one who takes refuge in him is truly happy. You are the Lord's holy ones. Honor him, because those who honor him don't lack a thing. Even strong lions go without and get hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Susanna Cronin. I'm 18 years old and I'm a senior at Tampa Bay Technical High School. I'm a National Merit Scholar finalist and I will be attending Florida Southern in the fall on a full-ride academic scholarship. As you may have heard, we will be continuing our series on Jim Harnish's new book, Make a Difference. In my sermon, I will be referencing chapter 5 of this book, Into the Crucible of Pain and Suffering. I know that there are small groups that have been studying this book, and I hope this message connects with those both in and outside of the groups. As I was reading through it, one quote that really stood out to me was this. We're not idealizing suffering because suffering can be destructive. It's what we allow, to do, we, allow, we allow God to do with it that can make us strong at those broken places. I feel like it's a great description of how I feel about the message today. This year, when we were discussing what to cover on Youth Sunday, the Youth Council kept coming back to one topic, mental health. It's not a topic you hear about very often, but it's very important in our day and age. Although I may still be a child in the eyes of some people, I invite you to embark on this journey of love and understanding. Join me in the prayer written by Diag Hammerskjold and published in 1966. 
This pair is referenced by Jim Harnish at the end of chapter 5 of Making a Difference. Thou who art over us, thou who art one of us, thou who art also within us, may all see thee in me also. May I also not forget the needs of others. Keep me in thy love as thou wouldest that all should be kept in mine. Give me a pure heart that I may see thee, a humble heart that I may hear thee, a heart of love that I may see thee, a heart of faith that I may abide in thee. Lord, help me to enter into places of pain, suffering, and injustice, and offer your word of hope. Amen. In the video, we saw some labels used to describe people who are considered different. Here at Hyde Park, one of our six core values is open-minded. This means not shying away from those who may seem different or broken, but rather embracing them with open arms and loving hearts. Just because a person may not understand what someone else is going through, that doesn't mean that you can't still be there for them. We are all unique, and we all experience pain and the feeling of being broken. However, it is our duty as a church to love and support each other regardless of how hard it may seem. It may be difficult to understand a person with a mental health condition, and it may seem like there's no way to help, but just being there and reminding them that they are loved and accepted will go a long way. Our church has made so much progress when it comes to being open and accepting. Over the political turmoil of the past few years, we have maintained our come-as-you-are policy. <clears throat> and to me, that's amazing. Here, everyone is welcome, regardless of your situation. In times like this, it's especially important to remain loving towards our neighbors and fellow children of God. I realize that mental health is a really hard topic for most people to discuss. But why is that? Mental health conditions affect us all in some way, whether we personally struggle with them or we know someone who does. In 2016, the nonprofit organization Mental Health America determined that one in five adults in the United States has a mental health condition. That means that if there are about 350 people here, 70 of us have some sort of mental health condition. To me, that's definitely worth talking about, no matter how uncomfortable it may be. Now, I realize that there may be people who think that this doesn't apply to them for some reason. However, everyone has experienced brokenness in some way, whether it is grief over the loss of a loved, over the loss of a loved one, or anxiety about the future, or something else. So why is it that we are so often unwilling to talk about it? Maybe we're afraid of the stigma that surrounds the topic of mental health. Maybe, we're, maybe we just don't understand. Maybe we're afraid of our own perceived shortcomings. Whatever the reason may be, mental health is still incredibly important and it demands to be acknowledged, now more than ever. Now we're going to watch a short video made by Meridian Behavioral Healthcare in 2016. Mental illness is shockingly common. One in three Floridians suffers from it at some point in their life, placing it among the top five most prevalent diseases today. But only one out of every three people affected by mental illness will seek treatment.
which is part of the reason someone dies of suicide every 14 minutes in Florida. And for every suicide, there are 25 unsuccessful attempts. I was shocked and heartbroken when I first saw this video. It really shows you how many people are suffering, especially here in our own state. <clears throat> in this age of technological distractions and instant gratification, it's become easier than ever to turn away from the broken places and choose to focus on something else. After all, who would want to actually listen to a person who's hurting when you can just send them cat videos? <laughs> Why would you want to acknowledge your sadness when you can just look at funny pictures? It's so much easier for us to gloss over our brokenness and pretend like it's all okay. But cat videos and funny pictures won't really change anything. God calls us to go into those broken places to listen and to understand the pain that we all go through at some point. He wants us to shine a light in the darkness, not just close our eyes. We all know that we've had an epidemic of school shootings in the past few years. If you've watched the news, you've probably heard about the most recent one in our state here in Parkland, and you've seen the amazing response from the community. And every generation has an impact on the world, and this one is no different. The youths of Generation Z, such as myself, are taking a stand for what we believe in, and we're not afraid to speak out against injustice. We're seeking out the broken places in our society and bringing them to light. One of my favorite parts of the scripture today was Psalm 34, verses 4 and 5. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant so your faces will never be ashamed. I really feel like these verses apply to our everyday lives and can help us all remember that God is always with us. I've gone to church my whole life, and I've been here at Hyde Park since 2008. Pastors such as Jim Harnish, Matt Horan, and Vicki Walker were some of the most influential figures in my childhood. I grew up knowing that Jesus loved me no matter what, and that he would always be there for me. As many of you may know, my family is very involved in the church. My mother, Ann Cronin, is currently the lay leader for youth ministries. My father, Edward, volunteers at Open Arms Homeless Ministry every Sunday, and he runs a Bible study for them. Even my younger sister, Julia, is involved. She volunteers as a Sunday school to help her on the second floor of the Wesley Center. I am a student connector for the Youth Council, and I attend youth group nearly every week. I've been part of a church for my whole life. However, I've also struggled with my mental health for my whole life. When I was in fourth grade, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. When I was in 10th grade, I was told that I also had major depression and social anxiety. Needless to say, this hasn't always made it easy for me. My teachers have always loved me because I'm quiet and I do my work, but that sometimes made it hard to make friends. I was seen as a teacher's pet or a kiss-up. As a matter of fact, I never had somebody that I would call my best friend until just last year. I knew that, given a choice, most people would rather spend time with someone else instead of me. But I was okay with that. Sort of. I constantly told myself that the reason I didn't have friends was because I wasn't good enough. I told myself I didn't deserve friends. You see, I didn't really like myself a lot. Eventually, this, this self-hatred spilled over into my relationship with God. I thought that if my own friends didn't like me, how could God possibly love me? I thought that I wasn't a good enough Christian because I had doubts. I stopped going to church after sixth grade. I often thought that there was no way Jesus could understand what I was going through because he never had to deal with cyberbullying or the pressures of school today. I turned to the internet for the validation that I desperately craved, and I'll admit that I did some really stupid things. 
My grades were declining. I had turned my back on God, and I felt like there was no way I could possibly be loved by him. In my sophomore year of high school, I started regularly seeing the therapist who made my original diagnosis of anxiety disorder back in fourth grade. I knew that I needed help, but I was unwilling to admit how badly I was hurting. I acted like things were much better than they actually were, and that all of this was just a temporary setback. I continued this behavior until my therapist finally thought that I was better and said I didn't have to go anymore. I managed to convince my parents and myself that everything was okay and that I was happy. I kept up the act for about a year. Although I still saw a few therapists on and off, I seemed to be doing pretty well, aside from a few temporary backslides. I even started going to youth group on a regular basis. I made better friends who actually supported me. Sometimes I got behind on schoolwork and I never really felt happy, but I brushed it off as a minor problem. My life seemed to be going great, so why would I feel otherwise? Then, in November of 2017, just weeks before my 18th birthday, I was hospitalized under the Baker Act for suicide ideation. This means that I had both the plans and, and, the mean to commit, and the means to commit suicide. I spent a little over three days in a psychiatric hospital called Grace Point. Before going there, I was, at one of the low, I was at one of the lowest points in my life. All I wanted to do was just curl up and disappear. I had a great relationship, strong friendships, and average grades, but I felt like everyone would be better off without me. I felt like I was a burden to those around me, and that I could never get back to normal from where I was. However, while I was at Grace Point, I realized how truly blessed I am. I met so many other teens who had been through so many hard times. For the first time in years, I opened my heart to God and prayed for the people around me. I saw the dark times these children were going through, and I realized that he had been there the whole time. I just hadn't been willing to listen. This past year has been one of the most challenging times for me, both spiritually and mentally. But it has also been the year that I've grown the closest to God. I attend youth group every week that I am able. I read my Bible whenever I have time, and I recently came across a verse that has helped me a lot with my doubts. When Paul was in prison, he wrote letters of hope to the Colossians and encouraged them to continue on their faith journey. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, he writes, I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake. In my flesh, I am completing what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. This helped me realize that although Jesus may not have taken AP exams or applied to colleges, he understands what I'm going through because he is right there next to me. Even though Jesus did not encounter the challenges we currently face in society he, and during his lifetime, he knows, that we are always, he knows how we are always struggling because he is always with us, going through the same things. There is so much pain and suffering in the world, and it's our duty as Christians to bring God's light to those places that need it most. However, as Jim Harnish writes in chapter 5 of Make a Difference, to be the agent of God's hope for others, we need to deal with our own unresolved stuff. If we never find healing for it, we end up projecting it on everyone else. According to the National Alliance on Mental, health, on mental Illness, only 41% of adults in the U.S. with a mental health condition received mental health services in the past year. There is no shame in asking for help. God loves everyone, and he wants us to take care of ourselves so we're here. If that means seeing a doctor or a therapist, then he would want us to do so. Everyone has a story, and everyone wants to be heard. As a church, we can help others by being supportive and caring and listening to what people have to say. We begin by listening. We are a community, and we care for each other. God is always here to help us, and he will never give up. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us all here today.
We pray for those who are broken and for those who are healing. We pray for those in the dark places and for those who are not. Please help us to bring your light where it is needed most and show others your, un your unending love. Thank you for keeping us all safe today and bringing us together as a church. Amen. Now we have a short skit for you. It's about the at symbol talking to God and questioning his importance. It may seem silly, but the central themes are relevant to our everyday lives. It's a reminder that we all have a purpose, even though we may forget it. Um, hello, God? Well, hello, at symbol. How are you today? Diligently guiding emails everywhere? Yeah, um, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Oh. I was wondering if you consider changing me. I'm very good at that. Into a hashtag. Oh, but at symbol. I know, I know. Oh. Email couldn't exist without me. Short handers everywhere love me, but it's just. What? I'm boring. And hashtag gets all the fun. He's the life of the party all the time. Some people can barely spurt out a sentence without using hashtag. Hashtag discouraged. <sighs> See, now you're just messing with me, but it's true. Hashtag can start an international incident. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Listen, At. I know sometimes it can feel like other punctuation have it better than you. But when you all work together, doing what you were created for, you are the most amazing support system for the English language. It's just not fair. I mean, even comma gets more excitement than me. Did you know that you can change the entire meaning of a sentence? Let's eat Charla. Take out the comma. Yeah, let's eat Charla. And it's... A zombie apocalypse. I get it. But at symbol, without you, our modern world wouldn't function as it does. You are to email as ink is to paper. Another thing, actually. Um, when people write me instead of type me, it kind of puts you in my design. Very elegantly designed, as you can see. Two nice sweeping half circles. Precisely formed to create two beautiful interlocking circles. I thought long and hard about your design, At. Everything about you is beautifully and wonderfully made. So you do like something about yourself. I guess, when people write it correctly, but... I mean, even my name sounds clunky. At symbol. You know what Hashtag's real name is? Octothorpe. Octothorpe! That's a superhero name! Okay, okay. Let's take a deep breath. Sometimes, when you start looking around at what others have and do, you can forget how uniquely designed you are yourself. For example, did you know that in other countries, you're not called the at symbol? What am I called? The Dutch call you the monkey's tail. Israelis call you a strudel. I mean, that's cute, I guess, but like... Sure it is. And in Bosnia, you're called, wait for it, Crazy A. Crazy A. Now, I like Crazy A, man. It sounds tough. Don't mess Crazy A. You mess Crazy A, you might as well send your email to the black hole of the ethernet. Let's go. See? Sometimes to appreciate ourselves, we have to understand how others see us. I guess, but I mean, I still feel that people just take me for granted. Maybe. But I don't. Every day I see the billions of emails you escort to all the places they were intended. Important emails. Letters saying I'm sorry. Announcements that there's a new baby on the way. 
You've delivered news that a war has started, that a president has died, and of particular interest to me, you've delivered many, many notes about my son Jesus and what he did for the world we love. Wow. I guess I've never really thought of you like that before. I feel kind of ridiculous now. Don't. You're not the first piece of punctuation to stand before me and complain about who they are. I'm not? Yep. Did you know the ampersand, sometimes called the and symbol, got totally dropped off the alphabet? Used to come right after the Z. Ampersand has been working on bitterness issues, but we're making progress. And don't even get me started on the interrobang. What's an interrobang? Exactly. Look it up. But on the bright side, it's so rare now that it has its very own Facebook fan page. Oh, and the comma was formerly called Little Knife. Oh dear. That sounds violent. Just last week, the ellipses were all up in a tither about the fact that they are used to replace parts of the quote nobody thinks are important enough to put in there. That's awkward. And even hashtag has been to see me. What does hashtag want? Well, although you know him as hashtag, people who have been on hold for unbearable amounts of time know him as please push the pound sign. Oh, yeah. No, no one likes push the pound sign. God, I am so sorry. I guess I just got in my own head and started losing confidence in myself, but now I see we're all created to be wonderfully useful. And if I'm just a way to transport emails, so be it. Because I know I'm special. I'm crazy A. Hashtag awesome. And that's not even singing my heart right now. We'll have to check the archives, but that may be the first time in Hyde Park history the phrase crazy A has been offered from the Hyde Park chancel. So thank you guys. You know, every Sunday when we get together, it is our hope that the worship experience draws you closer to God and deeper in your faith. And I think this morning we've had an added bonus, that we have been deeply inspired, moved, and motivated by our youth, and we have great hope for the future of the church. And uh, so thank you to the youth and particularly to Susanna. Thank you for who you are and what you have done here today. Thank you very much. I also want to say before uh, we call for the offering that uh, I want to offer a personal word to any of the parents and family members of youth uh, that are not currently involved in the youth program of this church or any other church. Uh, I want to let you know that uh, Merge is here every Sunday night. And I offer this to you not only as the senior pastor of this church, but as the father of two of its youth. And that whenever I pick them up from Merge on Sunday night, I get to hear all of the things that they've experienced. And to hear that this program offers a rare balance between both fun and deep faith formation. And I recognize every time they tell me what they experienced at Merge, that they are being part of something that they don't get to be a part of 
in any other kind of experience elsewhere in their week amid their very, very busy lives, just as much busyness as your youth are as well. So I encourage you to think about having your youth be part of Merge on Sunday nights from 5.30 to 8 o'clock. What uh, Emily and Megan have created in this place, along with their very gifted and talented adult volunteers, is an investment into the longevity of their faith formation, which I believe is one of the best gifts you can give to your youth. So, to our youth leadership, to all of our wonderful youth, and to all of you, thank you for your support of Merge Ministries year-round.